in Luke chapter 9 and in verse 23, Jesus makes the following statement. He was saying to all of them, If anyone wishes to come after me, if anyone wishes to come after me, if anyone wants to be a follower, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And follow me. So at the core, we've already talked about denying ourselves. We've already talked about taking up our cross in this whole process that we've been through together. But we really haven't focused in on following, following Christ. And so this morning we want to talk about what it means to follow. Before I I dive in, I just wanted to mention most of us human beings long to have a life that is truly fruitful and fulfilled and uplifting. We all want that. We all desire that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with having that desire because that's the desire that God has placed within us. It is, it is part of the way in which he has wired us to be fulfilled and fruitful and to be uh, experiencing the abundant life, life in, in all that God has intended. And I have to say that the key to that is found in following. Obviously, denying yourself, taking up your cross is part of that equation, but it is essential that you follow. We were made to follow. We were made to be followers of Christ. If you're having difficulties in relationships, for example, or challenges in life, those challenges and those relationships really can take on a whole different perspective if you are committed to following. See, if you're the one that wants to be in the lead, if you're the one that wants to be the one that people follow, which, by the way, is part of the problem of our sin... We all want to be in the lead. We all want to be in control. We all want to have it our own way. But if you put Jesus Christ in the front, and if you're committed to following Christ, you will experience all that God has intended for you when you do that. And if you have a mate or friends or a church or other people around you, and if together you're committed to following Christ, things radically change. Radically. It's like the triangle. Oftentimes when I meet with couples who are going to get married, not only do we talk about, you know, what does it mean for better or worse? For richer, yay, I'm in. Poorer, well, I don't know. In sickness, well, health, yes. Yes, health. I mean, when you talk about those commitments, oftentimes I will show the couple a triangle, and I'll say at the point of the triangle, you have to put the Lord Jesus Christ. He has to be at the point of the triangle, and you both have to be moving towards him. And as you move towards Christ, as you both follow Christ, guess what happens? 
You come together. There's so many things in life that would be totally out of the struggles and challenges and turmoils that many of us experience if we would commit ourselves to following. So many. That doesn't mean that all those challenges will go away. But it does mean that when you're following and he's the one that's leading, he will give you the strength. He will give you all that you need. You know, um, oftentimes when I travel down to Tucson, one of the things that I have enjoyed in the past and I, I still do whenever I have a chance to go down there is looking over to the side of the road, the east side, seeing if I can catch a train. Because the tracks run right along Interstate 10 there. And so many of us, when we're, when we're driving along, look at the train, and there's some people that like to chase the train, see if they can beat the train, you know. And uh, in our minds anyway, maybe you're not that way, but being competitive, you know, sometimes I'm driving along, and I'm saying, wait a minute, that train, I've got to beat that train. I mean, well, what, what small things come out of our minds in the midst of our travels? But that's what a lot of people do when they, when they become fans of Jesus Christ. They're moving along. They're trying to keep up with the train. They're trying to keep up with everything that they think they're supposed to do. And they're not following. They're close by. They're moving in the same direction or trying really hard to. But that's not following. Not biblically. Following is, is when you become one of the cars that is attached hooked onto the engine. You don't have any engine of your own. When you move from being a fan to a follower, you give up, you relinquish control, you die to self. We mentioned that already. And so you become an empty vessel. And God fills that vessel with himself. And then you get attached to the engine, Jesus Christ. And he pulls and you follow. I haven't seen too many cars, train cars, rebelling and revolting against the engine. They just follow. They carry whatever they're supposed to carry. They go to the destination the engine's going. They follow. That is their obligation, their job. It is what they do. They follow. You and I are to be followers of Christ. He is to be the engine and the driving force in our lives. And we're to hook on... And just let him take us. Let him take us wherever he wants to take us. Let him take us whenever he wants to take us. And let him give us responsibility in whatever area he chooses to do. That's what following is. That's what following is. And so this morning, we want to talk about that and expand on that just a little bit. Wherever, whenever, and whatever. About 10 days or so after Jesus makes this statement, he is with his disciples and they're going into another village in verse 56 of chapter 9 of Luke. And then they come to this phrase. It says, as they were going along, verse 57, they're going along the road. Someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go, wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, 
but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Here's a man who comes along and he says, I will follow you wherever, wherever. And Jesus, knowing the heart of this man, basically says, what about there? What about there? What about in a place where if you follow me, you're going to be homeless? How about that? How about in a place where there's discomfort, challenge, difficulty? What about in your home? What about in your job in the marketplace? What about there? There's a a story about this lady that she followed the Lord through most of the course of her week except when she went to work. In the sense that when she got to work, she kind of put that whole chapter of her life and left it in the car to be picked up after she got off work. And then she went into the office and she worked. And she worked with somebody for seven years right next to her in another cubicle there. And, and after seven years, she really felt really convicted that she had never sought to be the channel through which to share her love for Jesus Christ. And so she came to terms with it and she decided, you know, today's got to be that day. Today I've got to start. So she, she decided, yes, yes, I will follow you even at work. And so instead of leaving Jesus in the car... She decided, I'm taking you with me and I want you to help me. And so she sat there and she got up the courage and prayed and asked God to help her. And she began to speak to her, her co-worker and tell the co-worker about her relationship with Christ and, and started to invite her co-worker to come to a service at her church. And he laughed and he said, that's where I go to church. For seven years, these two worked side by side and they neither one had a clue that they were Christ followers or that they went to church and they went to the same church. It's so easy to say, as this person did, I'll follow you wherever, wherever. Of course, we have an agenda of wherever, wherever means. We know where we want to go, and we'll go there gladly. And then Jesus tells us, what about there? What about that place of discomfort? What about your workplace? What about with your husband or wife? What about with your family, who's a real challenge? What about there? Will you follow me there? Wherever, wherever. It's quite challenging. I have uh, in front of me a number of books that I think are really important. And um, I'm going to share with you the titles, so if you want to, you can read them. But there's a couple of things within the context that I wanted to communicate. One of them was that, you know, when a person was going to be a follower of a certain rabbi, when an individual was accepted to be a follower of a rabbi, they would leave their homes, their jobs, whatever else might hold them back, and they would follow the rabbi literally wherever he went. 
wherever he would go. Wherever was not just a word used to express a commitment, wherever was a way of life. So the rabbi decided to go to the market. Guess what? The students would go to the market. They would follow. The rabbi decided to go to another town. His students would follow and go to another town. If the rabbi needed to visit someone sick in the area, the students would guess what? Follow. They would go and visit the person who was sick. When the rabbi ate, they ate. They were with him every step of the way. The idea of following a rabbi closely is captured in the Jewish saying that has become popular. And this is the saying, may you be covered in his dust. You've got to follow pretty close to get covered in the dust. And really that's what this is about. This is about following to the point where you are literally constantly in the shadows, in the dust, right behind Jesus, hooked on. By the way, great, great book, Fan, Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. I encourage you to, to get it if you have not. We've, we've shared it and mentioned it before. And, uh, and read it. One of the other things that I found really interesting was this book by Eugene Peterson called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And this will really be of encouragement if you'd like to take a look at it. But it is, it is kind of interesting. Sometimes people will follow, and as they're following, uh, they'll decide that following is hard, and so they'll, they'll go their own way, and they'll try to come up with their own plan and agenda and so on. And then life really messes up for them and they have to make a phone call or they got to get some help or they got to do something because life's not working the way it should. And I, I found this little phrase here to be absolutely ingenious, ingenious. Uh, he writes about people who are forever breaking rules, trying to go their own way, attempting to create their own life and so on, their own system, etc., their own truth, all of that. And then when trouble comes and... They, they end up in damage. They ask the question, what went wrong? You know anybody like that? What went wrong? Anyway, here's the quote by a man by the name of Farmer, which is kind of interesting. He says this, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. If you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. The same thing is true when we're talking about going wherever. See, following Christ is not an option. If you're going to be a disciple of his, if you're going to follow him, he says, I want you to follow me wherever. You can't just decide, well, not this trip. Not that place. And you never know, you never know when you hear the Holy Spirit leading you and directing you to follow and God telling you to do something, you never know where it will lead. You never know. Another one of the illustrations that, uh, that Eugene Peterson has in here, which is really, I think, wonderful. He says that following is so much like like that point in time when, when the trapeze artist or the, the high-flying trapezist, you know, they, they swing and, and then in a, in a moment they let go. 
in the anticipation of hanging on again. And that euphoria, that feeling, that excitement, that, that, that terrifying fear and exciting rush of hanging in the air, not knowing what's next and if you're going to catch on or not. He says, that's what it's like when you follow Christ. Wherever, whenever, whatever, it's like being in midair. You, you have this incredible sense of excitement, anticipation. It is, it is a thrill as you anticipate grabbing hold. Why do you think, why do you think people go through life trying to make everything really, really, really secure? Because they're so insecure. They've got to make a future. They've got to amass enough money. They've got all kinds of stuff they've got to do. Try to control all the boundaries. Why? Because they want to be safe and secure. And the only trouble is that all that they're vesting themselves into and wherever they're going and whatever they're doing, they're doing it all in the thought that it is a secure world they live in. Really? Have you checked what's happening in the world? Have you noticed the cyclical events of our world financially? Have you seen what people have gone through recently? You can have it today and it'll be gone by tonight. You can be healthy and and wealthy and wise and end up unhealthy, unwise, and dumb. I mean, it's just, it's just so unpredictable, this world. And yet, and yet we live in this world and we put our lives in this world. And there's nothing more secure than the creator of the world, God. God is the one who made everything. So following Christ is the most secure place you and I will ever be. Wherever he takes you, wherever he sends you, it is the most secure place. Jim Elliott, when he was when he was in college, was motivated by the Spirit's leadership in his life. And uh, as he was responding to the Spirit's leading and calling in his life, and he was making the decision to go and reach this unchurched group of people, the Alka Indians. And of course, you know that he was martyred. And God used that to completely turn around the entire tribe. But listen to what he says with regard to this issue of following. He says this in his own little prayer that he writes in his recorded words. It says, Father, take my life. Yea, my blood, if you will, and consume it with your enveloping fire. I would not save it, for it is not mine to save. Have it, Lord. Have it all. Pour out my life and as, a, as an oblation for the world. Blood is only of value as it flows before your altar. Wow. Pretty powerful stuff. He's also the same one that uh, said... You know, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. 
And by the way, this is uh, Kent Hughes on the book of Luke. Great book. Following wherever, following wherever, following wherever. Uh, there's a great, great book that uh, is challenging for those of you in missions. And if you got Christina's letter, she was indicating she was reading this book, The Insanity of Obedience. It's got some pretty challenging things in it. But I just wanted to simply tell you about one story. One little story that she has in there about a, um, an elder of a house church where there were no churches. It's an area of the world where, where Christians are persecuted all the time. And this individual was, was awakened early in the morning. And the Holy Spirit tells him, I want you to go and, and get the food that you have stored up, the house church food that you've stored up, and I want you to take it to a pastor in this location. And I want you to make sure that you deliver it to him. And so this elder of the house church replied to the Holy Spirit and said, said, you know that it's, uh, it's really cold out there? It's like 30 degrees, and, and I, I probably won't survive the trip. And my horse probably won't survive the trip. And there's wolves out there. And so we may not make it. And the Holy Spirit again reiterated, I want you to take this stuff to this pastor. I want you to go. And so he said to the Holy Spirit, reminding the Holy Spirit that if he made the journey, he probably wouldn't make it back. And then the Holy Spirit impressed on him and said the following to him. Your concern is not to make it back. Your concern is to do what I've told you and go. See, we, we think we've got to go and come back. No, wherever means wherever. It means if the Holy Spirit says, this is what I want you to do, he's saying, I want you to do it and not think about a bridge back. Is he trustworthy or not? Is the engine of our soul, the anchor of our soul, is Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, to be trusted or not? And so... He says, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to follow me wherever I tell you to go. Yes, even there, even that place right now that the Holy Spirit is impressing on your heart and saying to you right now, you're holding on. You're holding on. Some of you may be even saying, you know, I'll, ser I'll serve wherever. Really? Wherever? You'll serve in your home? You'll serve in the local body. You'll serve wherever he wants you to serve in the body. Really? Or have you already pre-qualified? I'll go wherever, but... There's no but when you follow. If that's not enough, it's kind of like a, a fireworks, you know? At the end of the show, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, the explosions, until there's this huge, huge, massive pow, 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 pow. It's like, yeah, that's the end. Well, that's what you see here. You see 
Jesus going from follow me wherever, and now he's going to talk about whenever. And he's going to end with whatever. It's like a continual crescendo of things that he's going to, to lay on us, if you will. This one. This one is found in verses 59 and 60. Jesus says to another one, Follow me. But he said, Permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Let me go bury my father. Now, at first glance, we could say, well, this is total sense. You know, Jesus says, follow me. And the guy says, well, let me go take care of my dad. You know, bury my father. And we all think, we all think that that makes, you know, total sense and is reasonable, especially because Jesus just finished a little bit earlier literally lambasting the religious leaders for not taking care of their families, for violating that critical uh, hinge command, you know, where it says, honor your father and mother. And so we look at this and we say, well, this is kind of harsh, Jesus. You, you lambasted the religious leaders for not taking care of their parents, and now you're telling this guy, oh, let the dead bury the dead. You know, you, you preach the gospel. By the way, that's in Matthew 15. As Jesus condemns them for not respecting their parents and honoring their father and mother. Do you know how committed the Jewish culture and the rabbis were to this particular principle of taking care of a dead family member? They were so committed that they came up with this very clear declaration. Whoever is confronted by a dead relative, listen to this is free from reciting the Shema, is free from the 18 benedictions and the prayers that are there, is free from all the commandments that are stated in the Torah. They are free to do what? Go bury their dead. They are completely set loose to go bury their dead. This man says, let me go first bury my father. Here's a little insight that is so important. Everybody knew this. All these people knew this. All these Jews knew this. If his father was dead, he would not be on the road with Jesus. He'd be taking care of business. So we know his dad wasn't dead. What he's saying is, I'll follow you after my father dies. Let me go and be with my father. When my father dies, I'll bury him. Then I'll come and I'll follow you. And Jesus says, no. What about right now? Right now. Life following Jesus can be and probably will be very uncomfortable at times and life with Jesus will be also uncertain you don't know when he's going to tell you to go here or there or to do this or to do that but that's not your concern or my concern our concern is to just simply say 
I'm listening. You tell me where to go and I'll go. You tell me when to go and I will go. Whenever. Whenever. So Jesus really wasn't being too hard on the guy, was he? Because the guy was playing games. He was coming up with what we call excuses. You got any of those? No, really, do you? I'll follow if. I'll follow when. I'll follow. No, Jesus says, no, no, no. You don't understand. There's no negotiating here. No negotiating. <laughs> I, I think it's a, I think there's a little illustration in this, in this book where, no, it's not. It's in this other one. That might be helpful. Most of us, most of us think of Jesus Christ more as a, as a consultant than we do as a Lord. You know, we think that uh, we're supposed to ask for direction. And he's supposed to give us direction. We think that we're supposed to go and spend some time, you know, uh, praying and, and uh, getting, getting insight as to, you know, what we're supposed to do. And he tells us all the stuff, gives us all the information. And then when all the information is, is given, then we decide you know, what we're going to do about it. There, there's a quote, I can't find it right off, but listen, you don't need the quote to get the gist of it. This individual writing about Jesus says that Jesus doesn't do consulting work. He doesn't sit there in a room with you and give you all the information and give you all the best options and tell you what the thing is that you ought to consider doing and sit back and let you go ahead and decide and say, you know what, you just, you're doing a good job. Just go on living your life. No, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is not into consulting. Jesus says, follow me wherever, whenever. No consulting. By the way, he doesn't charge a consulting fee either. He's paid the price. Follow me. Follow me. <laughs> and then this last person, verses 61 and 62, says, Another one also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. What's wrong with going and saying goodbye to your family? Nothing if you're just going to say goodbye. I mean, we have, we have uh, 1 Kings 19 where you have the story of Elisha. Awesome story, by the way. Where Elijah is led by God to select Elisha to be the one that would follow him and take his place. 
And Elisha says to Elijah, when Elijah shows up and says, Elisha, I've chosen you, come. God's chosen you, come. Elijah says, excuse me, Elisha says to Elijah, let me go first and kiss my father and I'll come. Elijah says, okay, fine, go ahead. Go. And so the Bible says that Elisha goes and kisses his dad goodbye. But he not only kisses his dad goodbye, we also find from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 to 21, Listen to what he does. I mean, this is a, this is a man who, who is pretty secure, pretty well off. In his response, the Bible tells us that Elisha slaughtered his 24 oxen. oxen. And then he got together all of his farm plows and lit them on fire invited all the people of the community to come and to be with him for a barbecue. And after it was all done, his neighbors ate and he had nothing left. He left to follow Elijah. What was, what was he doing? Elisha was basically saying, the past is the past. He was burning his bridges. He totally put it all behind him to follow. There wasn't anything to go back to. But so often when Jesus says follow, we say, okay, I'll follow, but let me make sure I've got something to go back to. Or we say, yes, I'll follow. I will follow. But I'm not really willing to let that go. When Jesus says follow wherever, he's talking about there. Wherever there is. And especially there that you don't want to go. And some people say, well, I'm not going to give my life to Christ. I'm not going to commit my life to Christ. He might send me to Africa. Bingo. Bingo. Where you don't want to go, guess what? You're going to have to cross that. You're going to have to deal with that. He may not send you there, but if you're not willing to go there, you can't follow. You can't follow here. You can't follow there. You can't follow anywhere. When it comes to whenever, the question is right now, right now, or, or is it no, no, let me grow up first. Let me graduate first. Let me get a degree first. Let me get a job first. Let me get married first. Let me get cushy first. Let me take care of this first. Let me take care of that first. And then, and then, and then. You and I know people who've said for years, I will follow then, 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 but not now. And in the process, many of these people have lost everything because they're going against the grain of the universe. Thank God so many of them come to the point where they say now now but oh the heartache and the pain they've gone through because they wouldn't say now a lot sooner and then when you talk about whatever what about that 
Is there anything that you are not willing to let go of? Because if you and I own anything that we cannot open-handedly give up to God, we don't own it. It owns us. Following means here, all of it, yours. You say when, you say where, you say what, it is all yours. I'm an empty boxcar hooked up to the powerful, wonderful, majestic Jesus who's going to lead me on the track of life all the way to glory. Most of you probably have read long time ago Improving Your Serve by Charles Swindoll. He has a, a little blurb in here about a story that I wanted to share because there's, there's a man here who says, you know, I really want to buy this pearl. I want to buy this pearl. And so he asks, he says, well, how much is it? And the seller says, well, it's, it's very expensive. Very expensive. But how much? How much? Well, it's a very large amount. Very large amount. But do you think I could buy it? Oh, of course. Anyone can buy it. But didn't you say it was very expensive? Well, yes. How much is it? Everything you have. All right, we make up our minds. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Well, what do you have? The seller asks. Let's write down what you have. Well, I have $10,000 in the bank and 401k, etc. Good, $10,000. What else? Well, that's all I have. You don't have anything else? Well, I, I have a few dollars here in my wallet. Well, how much do you have in your wallet? So we start digging. Well, let's see, 30, 40, 60, 80, 100, $120. This guy's doing pretty good, huh? The seller says, fine, that would be Jesus. Fine. What else do you have? Well, nothing, that's all. Where do you live? In my house. Oh, yeah, I, I have a house. Oh, good. Then the house, too. You mean I have to live in my camper? Oh, you have a camper. Yes, that, too. What else do you have? I got to sleep in my car. <laughs> yeah, okay. You have a car. Oh, two of them? Okay, I'll take those as well. Those are both mine. What else? Well, you've already... Got my money, my house, my camper, my car. What more do you want? Are you, are you alone in this world? Well, well, no, I have a wife. Ah, good. Well, then I'll take your wife. I got children. Oh, good. Okay, well, write them down too. They're mine now, the children. Oh, yes. Well, I've got nothing left. And I'm all alone now, just me. Nothing, nothing left. Oh, Jesus says, uh, I almost forgot. I want you too. Everything is mine. That's what it means to follow. Wherever, whenever, whatever 
Don't put it off till tomorrow. Don't waffle any longer between being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Christ. The Bible says today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. If you are here this morning, you're hearing my voice and you have not yet put your trust in Christ and Christ alone. If you've not yet opened up the door of your life and said, I am a sinner and I need a savior. Now's the time. Today's the day. And if you've made that decision, now is the time to follow. Now's the time to give the wheels and the walls and the floor and the foundation and everything that's in your own little your car, your little car that's following the engine. It's time to give it all up. Time to relinquish total control. Now's the time, not tomorrow. And just before we pray, I want to leave you with this thought. Because you and I know it's true. The road marked tomorrow leads to a town called Never. Do it today.